0: welcome to in the lab with hoopsology old listeners welcome back for season four of hoopsology new listeners welcome as well really excited to have you here for the 2023-24 nba season we have just under a month to go before the season officially kicks off by the time this podcast is released But if you didn't hear our announcement, we are with the Ball is Life Network, their podcast network, and we are super excited to be here. As we mentioned in our intro, we just think it is the perfect spot for our podcast, a podcast that does in-depth interviews surrounding the game of basketball. And so we are just beyond excited. But without further ado, I need to introduce my co-host here, I'm Matt Thomas, joined by Justin Goodrum, as always. Justin,
1: how you been, man? I've been good. This is a very exciting time for our podcast. Excited to be partnering with Balls Life. I think the premier uh, website and just, uh, I guess, social media um, channels as well, providing basketball content, uh, whether it's just the playground, the park, or just the FIBA World Cup or just the NBA, the WNBA High School. Um, They're probably one of the premier uh, destinations for basketball on the web. So very excited to be partnering with them, Um,
0: really just pumped up for the future. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better. And it's just going to expand the number of people that we can talk to as well and kind of the, The breadth and the depth of the game of basketball that we're going to be able to reach through this podcast. So, hope you guys are excited to go on that journey with us. We always love these conversations and getting to do this. And I thought this would be a good point in time for us, Justin, to sort of expand a little bit, just a tiny bit on who we are, because we haven't really done that through three seasons of Hoopsology. So just just a little brief introduction for maybe some of the new listeners that are out there. Justin, who are you and what made you fall in love with the sport of basketball?
1: Yeah, um, and I might tie in just our origin story, too, and how we developed this podcast. So if you I'm know. blanking on some of the facts, forgive me. Uh, but Matt <laughs> and I are middle school friends, um, grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, fast forward through after college, around, I think, man, you know the day better than I do, like 2011, 2012. Yeah. What was the yeah. Um I think that's we, right, like 2011. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Matt's side. He approached me with doing a, a podcast. I was like, all right, cool. I was already doing another podcast on combat sports. So it's like, you know, basketball's always been a passion of mine, and Matt and I always talk hoops. So, why not? And so we did it for quite a long time in my brain. For some reason, I think we did it for like a year. But then looking back on the episodes, I mean, we did this for a long time.
0: It's we did, crazy. we did.
1: Yeah. Um. So we're under the our other name, Triple Double Podcast. And I think we when did we stop doing that?
0: Uh Oh man, we took a little break in like 2015, okay. and brought the show back in 2020 with the That's last right. dance documentary. That's right. I'm That's what sure you were about to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're correct. Um, that is the origin of hoopsology. Originally, we're supposed to have just a. I think a eight episode run, but we decided to keep it going during the pandemic. And really that's the foundation of this new iteration of our show was just through those times and interviewing people that were inside the bubble, And uh, that covered not only the NBA, but the WNBA. Then we got into cryptocurrency, sneaker culture, and it has evolved in what we are now. So it's it's been a very exciting ride. Um, Just to answer Matt's question, um, I work in public relations, but I've also been a podcast for over 10 years, um, partly covering combat sports and now covering the world of basketball. So um, it's great to go on this journey with you, Matt. It's been awesome. These years have flown by. I mean, I just remember recording the first episode in my living room just yeah. <laughs> after the last dance was airing just me and you on Skype. So that the time has flown by dramatically. So uh, just really pumped up just to see what the future holds for us with Hoopsology.
0: Yeah, well, and I remember being still a bachelor at the time and having you over at my <laughs> single yeah. bedroom apartment, like in the <laughs> living room there, recording yeah. our first early stuff (laughs) a lot has changed since then but yeah likewise man always always a thrill to do this and uh justin has always had a lot of great insight as to like sort of the behind the scenes game with sports media as well so that's always intrigued me he's always been my go-to guy asking like what do you think is really going on here Or, or what do you think about this move why is this company doing this um the big picture moves like that. Uh Justin has always been one of my go-to sources. So, um that's that's something that we enjoy diving into when it makes sense to as well. Yeah. Um so just a bit about myself, all, all that stuff um 100% co-signed with the origin story of the podcast and Justin and I being friends since middle school. Um for Myself personally, I've had the privilege as a strength and conditioning coach of working with elite level athletes. um, And I'm still fascinated by that. And it's one of the reasons that I love the sport of basketball, just the mix of power and finesse and speed. I I just think it is the most beautiful sport in existence, um, especially as far as team sports go. I, I think it's the most glorious spectacle to watch. And I still feel that way. I don't care that it's the three point era. Sure. I miss some stuff from nineties. I, I consider myself kind of an old head partial to what we were raised on with basketball, but I still love the game as it is watching Steph Curry, for example, just stupefies me watching a guy like Giannis run down the court. I'm just incredible. Um, and to go to the second part of our question, Justin, What uh, what hooked you on the sport of basketball?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I don't know if it's one particular. I'm trying to remember, and you could correct me if I'm wrong about this. Um, with the Bulls, they played Portland, Dallas before they played um, Phoenix, right in the nineties. Am am I right? That's correct. Okay, I believe that was ninety
0: two. Yeah,
1: that is one of my first memories. Is that series, and then also um the the year after um just jordan beating phoenix and then legendary jordan playing baseball and i think during that time i mean all through that time span in the 90s i mean there's really two things on my mind that was basketball and pro wrestling and somehow those worlds collided unexpectedly so i mean i was just hooked from that just love the bulls run and it's continued to love the game and it's continued to love i think I don't know. I think in basketball and I think martial arts might be similar in terms of there's an actual culture with just everyday people that play it mm. and watching it. I think, I mean, you don't have people, you know, I think there are, you know, different, you know, I don't know. Basketball is just more prone to like playing a pickup basketball game, right? You can play with anybody. I mean, you can't really play a, a pickup football game with just random people throwing the football but in basketball you know that's totally acceptable like you want to play one-on-one or three-on-three it's just more universal that way Mm -hmm. um so i think that's what's hooked me on the game it's just that connection with just you know people that love it to just your high quality athlete that's playing you know in all over the world professionally so that's really hooked me uh what about you what about yourself man
0: Absolutely, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You go look at like what Lee Ellis is doing with his pickup basketball projects, by the way, his interview (laughs) is in our library. Just to plug that uh, we had a blast talking to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you see the, the purity of the game of basketball. So as much as we may at times talk about controversies around the sport there is that deep love for the game of basketball as a whole that I think both you and I recognize and appreciate. Agreed. You know, um, I I would echo you know what you said about Michael Jordan. I mean, he was such a huge influence on our generation. I mean, he was like a superhero in in living form back in the nineties. I, I was shocked when I first heard that people were actually criticizing Jordan for playing baseball. I just thought like as a kid, that was so amazing that he could go do another professional sport, you know, and yeah, you see the numbers and whatever. But I mean, you appreciate (laughs) what that guy did so much and the work ethic involved to this day. One of the first distinct memories that I have of the sport of basketball, and I don't even remember. I mean, if I'm going to have to check with my parents or if they're listening to this, maybe they can answer for me. But we went. So I'm about. I don't know, eight years old, maybe living in Northern California in a a small town in California. Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents took me to this high school basketball game. And I'd never seen a a live basketball game in person. I'd seen bits and pieces of the NBA on TV, but we go to this gym and I couldn't tell you the schools, but they've, they had to be pretty small schools, but the entire gym was standing the whole game. It was a close game. People are screaming, going nuts after every single basket that was made. And it was just, it, it had me hooked, the energy of the arena at the time. And then move in, I think about two years later, I went, I, I have family down in the Houston area. One of the reasons that, actually the main reason that the Rockets are my team. Uh, so about two years later, I'm about 10 years old or so, I go to a basketball camp Hosted by legendary Matt Bullard, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, is still working in the front office somewhere for the Rockets, unless he's moved to a different position. But I know recently he was. Uh, So, Matt Bullard, who was one of the original, like, spread four type of players, I mean, led the league in three point percentage. um, I think at least one season, maybe more, I'd have to pull up his basketball reference to be sure. But he hosted this basketball camp and we'd be playing out in the hot sun in Houston. I I believe it was in like July. So it was messy. It it was rough. But then in the afternoons, we would go from the playgrounds outside to inside the gym. And one day he surprised us. And I know this is going to sound funny to people who know their 90s basketball, but he had Matt Maloney, show up to the basketball camp matt maloney was a point guard for the rockets i think he started 95 96 season never averaged more than 10 points a game uh in in the regular season throughout his career you know very much a role player kind of a a patch piece for when the rockets had to move on from sam cassell when he left but i'm watching matt bullard and matt maloney pass the ball and they just do a shooting warm up where, like you see Steph Curry do, starting close to the basket and stepping back. And they're just going back and forth, back and forth. Matt Bullard's getting rebounds, which are practically all made jumpers. And every time Matt Maloney makes a shot, he takes another big step back. And they, he goes full court. He goes full court with it. And we weren't sitting around waiting. I mean, he had maybe, maybe a handful of misses. And most of those were when he was behind half court. So that just really sunk in with me because I knew at the time Matt Maloney was not an all-star. I I was old enough to discern that, but the talent and this guy's pinky finger, I mean, it's more than I've ever had playing the sport of basketball. So I continue to be impressed. Like I said earlier about what these guys can do. So those two things really cemented my love of basketball along with the amazement uh, of watching in the Jordan era.
1: Now that makes sense. Especially seeing it live in person. And I think you brought up a number memory, which I, I'm kind of ashamed I didn't bring it up first with the Lobos. <laughs> and I think oh, yes. that was the first yes. game I went to was a women's uh, Lobo game when I was in elementary. Dale uh, out kids. I remember, I remember my um, fourth grade teacher was a hardcore Lobos fan. And I think kind of got in trouble. I don't know if he got in trouble, but like, we watched the NCAA tournament. I don't know if I ever told you about this. Um, I remember, his wife, yeah. His wife taught at the middle school that we went to, um, and we like when the Lobos. The Lobos are really good. Not at, well, they were really good in conference play. I don't know about the NCAA tournament, but anyways, they would have selections, um, you know, Sunday, and then the, the games would be released. So during the week, we wouldn't learn, We'd watch the games <laughs> in the class. So we watched like the first round. I think we saw U N M play Tulsa. We watched that game and then for the women, I believe they had like a coloring book or just a paper where you can color and you get free admissions. So we went to the game and I think that's my first basketball game. I think it went in a triple overtime. So I don't think we got out of there till way late at night, but I just remember that was a <laughs> distinct memory. So I uh, totally forgot about the Lobos, but the New Mexico Lobos, shout out to them. I know they've been going through some of this kind of weird times trying to get back to former glory. But, um, you know, I don't know about Matt, but that's been a, we're both University of Mexico alumni. And that's just been a huge part, at least of my childhood, just in terms of, you know, hoops as well. So just wanted to shout that out.
0: Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Lobos are our, our oh. alma mater. Correct. Kenny Thomas yeah. came from the Lobos. He was a, a big deal back in the late '90s on the Lobos. That's right. Actually, right when my family moved to New Mexico, that that team was blowing up, yeah. and uh, that was that was huge in my formative years, uh, cementing my fandom of basketball as well. So I'm glad you yeah. bring it up. We also had Danny Granger was right. a, a legendary Lobo. Um, a a lot of players have, have come through, uh, Lobo land. Um, so that's, that's been nice to have And Albuquerque is very much a basketball city because of those teams. Um, so I think that does well for an introduction for us and we can explore stuff more down the line. All right, Justin. So let's get into it with our main topic, which are some over unders that you and I have carefully selected as basically our five most interesting underovers for the NBA season. Talking over unders about win and loss records. Um, and We have no overlaps, so maybe some of yours would have aligned with mine and the other way around, but we made sure we had no overlaps, and I think it'll just be kind of a good way for us to start previewing the season and kind of map out some of our expectations. So without further ado, Justin, why don't you talk me through your first over-under pick and just kind of what you think about where that line was set.
1: Yeah, so I'll kick us off, and just to get this team out of the way, of course, it's my Chicago Bulls. I'm a huge Bulls fan. Vegas has them projected at 37.5 wins, just going rightly above that at 38 wins. Um, Last season, their record was 40-42. and This season, I see just about the same. No Lonzo Ball. I'm not a believer in Zach Levine. I love DeMar DeRozan, but I just think the Bulls are just going to be pretty mediocre. They need a full rebuild. I Even with Lonzo Ball back, who knows if he's going to be the same player. I just think it's time just to blow up this team and move on. So, very not optimistic at all, seeing this win being right at the 38 win mark.
0: Yeah, I guess what would make me nervous about picking the over, I mean, I think if, if that team stays intact, this is pretty reasonable, but... I would say there's probably a high chance that they're blowing it up at some point. I mean, if they have a slow start, maybe they start trying to trade some of those assets before the deadline. So we'll be interesting to see what's going on. And yeah, bummer about Lonzo ball, man. That's just uh, really unfortunate because like the things that he can do on the court. So it's, it's a huge loss. Um, We'll go ahead and move into my first pick now, which be the, San Antonio Spurs, which I find interesting just inherently because we have a potential NBA great who has not played a game yet, but that's kind of the hype around him, of course, with Victor Wembanyama, And the Spurs are picked at 29.5 wins this season. They were tied with the Houston Rockets at 22 wins for their record last season. So basically you have to pick that they're winning eight more games this year. To me, that feels a little bit high just with how this roster is constructed. And I don't know that Wemby's game translates into actually him like dominating the ball more and being more of a creator and just enhancing their offense to the degree that they're going to need to to boost that record. Now, there's of course a, a good chance that he could be phenomenal and blow this out of the water. Um, you know, the comparisons being made right now are he's the most high prospect since LeBron James, even though their games are very different and his is kind of more like almost like a circus show type of feel. Like, look at this big guy who can do it all, who can dribble, who can shoot from outside, but he's seven foot three, etc. LeBron's rookie season. He won 35 games with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I do think that that Cavaliers team was a little bit just slightly better constructed (laughs) than Wemby's Spurs team coming into this year. So I just don't know, given he has less control over the offense than like LeBron did when he went into Cleveland. I don't know that he's going to translate to that many more wins though. I do think, you know, all the potential is there. I'm certainly on board if if Wemby stays healthy, that he could do a lot. So that's my prediction with the Spurs, 29 and a half. So picking essentially 30 games to win this first season feels a little high to me in a competitive West.
1: Yeah, I feel you with Wemby. I think the expectations should be lower than LeBron. Remember, Wemby's playing yeah. in a pretty cutthroat Western Conference not a lot of like power teams, but a lot of teams just really, really competitive and dispersed don't fall into that. So they're going to struggle, which is okay. I think as long as he can just develop and learn, I think it's probably the best thing for him compared to just being thrown into this, this cutthroat West and just trying to buy for, you know, the play in tournament or just conference positioning in terms of the seating. So just him just to develop and not have to worry about this team being any kind of type of playoff contention is probably the best thing for him while the Spurs kind of find how this team's going to go. I mean, they're going to construct this identity around him. So I think it's actually good. I think the comparisons to LeBron is, I don't know, if that's what we do, right? This just sports fans, media abundance. It's just compare other players. It's just how LeBron was compared to Jordan, even though their games are nothing alike. It's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, for sure. No good points there. And uh, yeah, I I just think it's, it's crowded and he's going to need a a few more pieces. If that changes during the season, then maybe there's a shot, but I don't think I don't get the feeling that they're in a rush. I think, you know, Denver's good. Phoenix is crazy. So I I think they're cool to develop him. Like you were saying there, what's your next pick? Next pick is the Boston
1: Celtics. Again, a little bit of bias, My father is from the Boston area, so the Celtics always kept an eye on him. And also, they're one of the power teams in the Eastern Conference. Last season, the record was 57-25. Projected wins from Vegas is 54.5. I'm going with the under with 51 wins. I think Mm -hmm. losing Marcus Smart is going to be a huge blow. And even though I've been on the Porzingis bandwagon, he's been injury prone. And with Malcolm Brogdon, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, he's dealt with some injuries as well in recent years. Correct. Um, I just think with this team, for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it's kind of put up or shut up. Like, I think these two guys, in my opinion, are MVP caliber talents. At the same time, it has not materialized into championships. And at this point, I believe, it's time to really have those expectations in terms of championship or, or bus. I mean, look at the heat, always count out, always disrespected. And somehow they pull it off. And to me, I mean, they don't have to MVP type Cal type, type caliber talents. I mean, unless they get Damian Lillard, we'll have to wait and see, but in previous years, it's been, it's fallen on Jimmy Butler. So <laughs> at this point, I'm not optimistic about the Celtics in terms of their title hopes. However, I do think they reached the 51
0: win mark just due to um, Tatum and Brown. Yeah, I like, I like this pick a lot on your part on picking the under at that 54 and a half game. So basically just 54 wins or less. I mean, it's not hard to envision them getting three less wins than last season with one of their centerpieces, at least hard and effort wise with Marcus smart leaving. Like you mentioned, I I think that's perfectly reasonable and they've got to figure out chemistry with Porzingis coming into the lineup. I mean, it could have the potential to make them even better if it just clicks, but Usually during the regular season, you kind of work those things out a little bit. You might experiment with stuff that doesn't work initially. So wouldn't shock me at all. And I think the Celtics have such a history now with deep postseason runs with this core of Tatum and Brown that they're they're one of those contender teams that maybe at this point feels like they can sort of coast in the regular season. So I don't know that they have the same urgency to get a top seed in the East, in spite of what uh, they may be saying, you know, as the season starts. So I have, I dig that pick a lot. I, I think that's smart. Um, and, and everyone's still very, very hot on the Celtics. It feels like, and it's understandable. They're a talented, deep roster. But I I have hesitancy, and especially with how things ended last season kind of abruptly and with sort of lack of confidence in their first-year coach. I don't know that he bounces back super strong this year, or maybe we find out that he needs to be replaced. He's He's not going to be maybe the guy that takes them to the promised land. But a lot of questions here for a team that's a top contender in the East. And I still... I, I mean, I think it's reasonable to put them in, you know, your top three to five at at minimum picks of teams that will win the title. You know, they're going to be right there. Yeah. But regular season wins wise, I, I like that pick a lot. <clears throat> so next, I want to mention a, a team that has frustrated fans for years, myself included, a team that last season I said I'm not – buying you anymore until you show up. And that is the Los Angeles Clippers. Sorry to any Clippers fans out there. It must be frustrating to root for this team. Uh, And, you know, podcast P has had a hot off season, dropping great episodes on, on his podcast, but it doesn't make me feel confident that they're going to actually increase win total from last year. I just need to see Kawhi Leonard on the floor. And you see Paul George on the floor, and that's about it. This team is a year older, and I don't know. I I mean, they're acting, and you would assume that they are healthier, but they had 44 wins last year. Their win total right now, the line is set at 46 and a half, and and I just don't trust it. I think they could do it if those guys are playing. I just don't know that they're going to be there, and that's, (laughs) that's the short and simple of it.
1: No, I concur not much to add this is a team that ever since we've relaunched this podcast has been very frustrating, so I feel you. I'm excited for their arena that they're going to build with Steve Ballmer, but you know this team's always inconsistent despite the stars that they have, and um they are not the team to watch in Los Angeles, so I concur everything you said
0: i mean the most meaningful moment I can think of from the clippers since like the n b a bubble really was that bubble playoffs when they gave Luca his first like buzzer beater playoff right. win that that's the moment that really kind of stands out uh granted I'm not a Clippers fan uh so I don't catch all their games but um yeah it's it's just been a tough couple of years for them who you got next um I'm going with the other team in
1: Los Angeles and that is the Lakers really really impressed me the second half of the season and their playoff run if you remember Matt when we first started the season last season with a, a lot of our guests either they're Lakers fans or Lakers journalists they are not optimistic they're very harsh on the Lakers and mm-hmm. what a turnaround with that midseason trade um the last season their record was 43 and 39 really had a great playoff run they're projected at 48.5 I am going over with 50 wins and mm-hmm. but I am pretty nervous <laughs> with Anthony Davis I mean if he does get hurt I think that will be affected but I mean, he's proven, in my opinion, when he is healthy, he is an MVP candidate. And if that happens, LeBron can pretty much play at 70 percent through the rest of the season, and then turn on during the playoffs to conserve his body. He's that good, and he's that versatile. So health is going to be the main thing in terms of just navigating the season. We'll see how the in-season tournament kind of factors into that in terms of the strategy. I think you might see—I don't know—this might be another topic for another day, but just because of that new tournament you might see teams not press during the christmas break just because you've had that tournament so overall i see the lakers making a huge jump at 50 wins that they're going to be the toast of the town of the nba season at least in the western conference
0: yeah this one's interesting and i i feel that same nervousness as you do because they started the season so badly one of the things about that with them ending the season with a winning record and kind of nearly an improbable run to get to the playoffs is that they also ended the season, I mean, red hot, other than the fact that they got swept out of the Western Conference Finals. I mean, really, they weren't even supposed to be in the play-in tournament. So it's very impressive and very confusing at the same time, because if they don't have this pressure of their backs being to the wall like that, like, I don't know that they're going to have that high of a win total, you know. But I do think when you have Austin Reeves stepping up last year, if he can carry, even if he's not exactly the same guy, but if he can carry some of that momentum and swagger into this season with him, I it's it's hard to imagine they won't win 50 wins. And and if LeBron is playing, let's say, like at minimum 60 games and Anthony Davis is playing 60 games, but those are some big ifs there too. Let yeah. me ask you this because I sure. think it's interesting. Austin Reeves has been getting a lot of buzz this off season, fairly so. Rumors circling about him and Taylor Swift, who knows, <laughs> but <laughs> let me, so you and I talked about last or Earlier this offseason, before deals were made, that it was basically a must and a done deal that the Lakers needed to re-sign him. And we were kind of surprised that other teams didn't jump in and make it more competitive, like San Antonio, who we talked about earlier, who needs pieces and has cap space. Is Austin Reeves, in your opinion, properly rated, overrated, underrated in terms of what he's going to bring to this team next year? Good question. Um. I think it's probably rated. I
1: don't hear people saying he's just this, I don't know, phenomenal talent. I think people are really impressed with his game and his story and yeah. how he's contributed to this team. I don't think he's on like a Tyler Hero level in terms of like mm. an all-star. So I don't I don't hear that. So I think he's probably rated. I don't think he's overrated at all. Like I think if we're talking like, you know, a Max deal, or just a parade all-star. I think that's yet to be seen. But I think I don't think it's anything terrible in terms of how he's been rated. Do you think
0: people are saying he's overrated? I I don't think people are saying that he's overrated. I think there's there's a lot of hype on him. I mean, he's kind of like in in a weird way, even though he's maybe option number three on that team, there's sort of, I think, this dynamic of like he's saving this Lakers team, which in some cases, I mean, the energy that he brought in the playoffs and, and like sort of that fighting spirit that he brings is exactly what those older vets need um, and, and can kind of help spark them. You know, they've kind of been missing that since Alex Caruso left the team. So I, I think you're right. I think properly rated is, is a good answer. I do wonder if, as uh the season starts if it borders into overrated. But I love it when a young player like this gets an opportunity, gets hype like that. So I've I agree with your answer. Yeah, and he has team USA experience as well, you know,
1: playing in the FIBA World Cup. So there's a lot of momentum there. I think, like you said, it's the media narrative. And also it sucks him (laughs) being with the Lakers because if they're terrible, I mean they're gonna turn on him. So it's just (laughs) kind of just depends on how the wind blows.
0: It's the way it goes. Yes. And I think um in our next few picks here some of uh the World Cup play is is going to be a factor here. My next pick, you picked your Bulls, so I I definitely wanted to talk about the Rockets, but I do think that they are very interesting. Uh their over under is set at 31 and a half wins which puts them above the Spurs and both those teams had 22 wins last year however the Rockets in spite of not getting Wemby <laughs> they did get Amen Thompson who is interesting he'll, he'll be coming off the bench at least to start the season but presumably with Fred Van Vliet carrying that max contract um, he'll be coming off the bench for the year which will be good give him some time to develop so I think the biggest change here is the talent getting a year older. Shangun has had some world cup play has looked very interesting this off season. There are rumors that he's gotten taller. I don't know if I buy it from what I've seen, but he continues to improve his game and get reps. And the big thing is, landing Kochi Doka, and I've been really impressed with his offseason and sort of being the adult in the room. I was tweeting with friend of the show, Roosh Williams, about that a little bit over on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that now, but we've kind of both agreed, you know, good move by him to sort of stiff arm James Harden coming back to Houston. He's apparently was the one in the room that was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're not bringing James Harden in here. I don't want to coach him. So uh, credit to him for that. I really liked that move. It's sort of mixed in the Rockets fan base, but I think it's the smart thing to do. I, I think Fred Van Vliet brings an, an experience level and some leadership to the team that will help out a lot and hopefully reduce turnovers in the fourth quarter, which was a huge issue for them the past, like, Three seasons, just lack of discipline, giving the ball away left and right, especially at the end of games. And then Dylan Brooks is kind of the question mark. Is he going to help them, hurt them? Some people like him getting a veteran leadership type of role and and being the defensive intensity guy for this roster. Some people think it's just going to implode. I don't know. Seems like he's having a pretty decent offseason, and he's playing for Team Canada, which I like in the World Cup games. So I'm very high on the Rockets. They would need to win exactly 10 more wins than last year to hit the over on this, but I'm going to pick it. Side note of particularly no interest, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was getting my car fixed the other day. And, uh, the mechanic happened to be a basketball head. And he told me you guys are going to win at least 35 games (laughs) next season. So I'm banking. I'm taking that to the bank, but I'm just going to go with the over. I'm just going to go with a 32 win total and take that, not get greedy, but here we go. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh,
1: this is really tough because I think last year and even, with this new iteration of the Rockets, I've really liked their young squad and their energy. Even though they've haven't, they've struggled to put it together. Um, I remember the the Rockets game that you went to when they played the Nuggets, and how you know optimistic you were when you, when you saw saw them participate in that game. And I think since then, I've been they've been on my radar in terms of seeing how this team's going to organically evolve. And with Coach Doka, I think that is their missing piece to make sure this team you know rises. I think my question is was well, two of them one to answer your question. I I'm, I feel that slow. I'll go a little bit higher. Um you know, probably 33 34 wins. Um but nice. I think the longer term play is the more exciting question in terms of how they fit within this Western Conference. Who is going to be the ultimate leader of this team? I don't really know at this point, who's going to kind of be the linchpin to take him to the promised land. Cause with the West it's tough. I mean, you have teams that are rising. I mean, look at Sacramento, look at Oklahoma city, um, look at new Orleans. If Zion is healthy. I mean, those are kind of the teams I'm looking at to where they're going to be competing against if they want to really move into the higher part of the Western conference. So, I don't really know what their kind of game plan is, and I, I, I we have a a lot of uh, Houston Rockets content scheduled, so I'm curious to get your perspective as well of our insiders in terms of kind of the long-term trajectory of this team.
0: Yeah, and that's what's kind of interesting about it. I mean, it's it's sort of like a um, patch job right now bringing in these veterans because I like Fred Van Vliet a lot as a player, but you know that even though he's – Earning the max right now, he's not the superstar that's going to elevate them through the West, yeah. uh, unless we see just something very different than <laughs> what we've seen from his career so far. I mean, good player, but not not like a guy who's going to come in and dominate the West. You know, otherwise we would have seen that in the Eastern Conference. But, yeah, um, but I think a good signing for them. And you're right, it is a transitory state that they're in what I'm looking at right now is just Coach Udoka getting these younger guys to like I said earlier decrease turnovers but then also the other thing with him is um he's been a great defensive coach and and been great at getting his teams to hustle and buy in so with a younger squad like this that that would be one of the main factors as well in terms of getting their win totals up is that use your youth and athleticism to lock these teams up at the end of the games rather than losing focus, losing track, and ultimately <laughs> for the most part the past couple of seasons getting blown out in fourth quarters. So I think that's where we're going to see a huge change as well. but you're right. I mean, is Jalen Green going to become an elite scorer rather than kind of a volume shooting guard, which granted, he's young. And is Shangoon going to be sort of baby Jokic, as some are calling him? Is he going to be a guy who can be uh, running the offense through him and uh, opening things up for easy shots for other players? I think those are big questions to look forward to as well. And is amen Thompson that point guard of the future? Does he develop by the time Fred Van Vliet is in the third year of his contract? Mm-hmm. Um, huge question marks. You're right. And big chance that... You know, for the most part, I, I mean, it's it's hard to be too bullish on like all those things happening well in a very competitive NBA, just generally speaking. I think that would be my general outline for this team right now and what they're looking at this season. But you're right. There's tons of question marks. I'm interested to see what they do, and i'm I'm hoping just for some more entertaining and competitive, League basketball nights. <laughs> I think league they're going to be really nights. entertaining. I think they're they're a
1: great league uh, pass candidate. Um, I know there's other team, you know, people will pick other teams in terms of their playoff ability. But with the Houston Rockets, I just think with the way they have the young talent, Udoka, I think that's a great league pass team.
0: I think so too, especially they're kind of like a great first half league pass team for the last two seasons. Now I'm just hoping we take it into that third and fourth (laughs) quarter. too. Right. You're not changing the channel. So (laughs) (laughs) for sure. All right. Give me your next pick.
1: Yeah. Next pick. Um, nothing too extensive here. I think it's a different nuggets, the defending champions last season, won the title record of 53, 29 projected at 54.5 wins i'm picking the under at 51 just losing jeff green and bruce brown i think it's going to hurt them in the regular season however i don't think this is going to be a hindrance in terms of them defending the title i don't see anybody in the west that is going to be such a dramatic rival to theirs that them losing jeff green and bruce brown is going to be the main difference maker so i'm excited for the nuggets the The town's been excited to see all different Nuggets shirts all the time. (laughs) Then winning the championship when I'm around town, I live in Denver. So it's pretty cool to see how the community has embraced the Nuggets just because, you know, this is a football and hockey town traditionally. And so just to see the Nuggets, you know, get the love as they deserve. um, It's around here. Everybody's jumping on the Nuggets bandwagons, hats, shirts. I by far see that way more than Broncos um, gear around here most recently. So I'm picking the under in terms of the just win total. However, I don't think that's going to affect him winning the championship.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, you and I are both big Jokic fans as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy for him that he won that title. We see more videos of him partying out in Serbia. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, how can you not love Jokic if you're a basketball fan? Um, and I think what's interesting this season, we get to see how he acts as a title defender. You know, is is there going to be that intensity? Obviously, it's going to be there in the playoffs. Is that going to carry through with the regular season? With the adversity, you know, which, which was kind of uh, manufactured. But over the MVP race, we did see him kind of back off the gas pedal rather than fight things head on. He kind of just didn't want to be a part of that conversation and argument, which I can't blame him for, for that. But on the court, I kind of felt like there was a little more he could have given at that time. Now you can't argue with the results. They won the title, of course, but I am curious to see, you know, I mean, maybe they come back and they're like, Hey, we're going to get 60 wins minimum this year. Let's push for it. Let's just let's dominate. Let's show these people what we can do. And I think a lot of that hinges on Jokic staying healthy, of course, and how, how many games is he going to play? He's been pretty durable. Um, there've been injuries that have popped up here and there, uh, but overall he's, he's been a pretty durable player through his career, which is a great asset. So if he's playing, you know, 70 plus games this season, not hard for me to imagine them going with the over, but title hangover is, is also a factor for any given team and the target that gets put on your back. So I don't have a huge problem with you picking the under there that, that may be the case as well.
1: No, I feel you, but I do think there's a chance for them having a chip on their shoulder. You know, yeah. Denver doesn't get that much love. The Lakers are going to be the talkative town. You have other teams in the East that have momentum. And I can see that being bulletin-boring material. So this depends on how they want to use the motivation. But like you said, Matt, there is a possibility of them just having a championship hangover and, and them trying to kind of scramble to put it together
0: by the All-Star break. So we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely. I'll give you my second-to-last pick here, and then we'll go into our last picks. I've got the Phoenix Suns, another West contender and the sort of rival of the Denver Nuggets, you could say, or at least, you know, seems to be positioning as the rival for this next season. They're projected at 51 and a half is where the line is set. To me, that feels a little bit high. You'd have to be saying they're getting at least 52 wins. Certainly the talent is there. And I would say there's even more upside after they landed Eric Gordon. Um, I think he adds a lot to what that team can do as maybe the fifth starter on that team, but they had 45 wins last year. And my thing with super teams in observing this over the past several years, I mean, you look at like the Brooklyn nets, you look at, Um, you know, over a decade ago, the Lakers super team that came into play with like Steve Nash and Dwight Howard joining that team. There's high volatility here. And there's a chance that, I guess what I'm saying is, my theory would be that more talent does not equal more regular season wins, but rather more coasting during the regular season, kind of knowing that the playoffs are our time. So we don't need to push it that hard during the regular season. We can have one guy rest while the other two play and transfer out like this. Also, there's still a lack of harmony in the roster in terms of Ayton's role and his feel and fit on that team. Maybe Monty Williams being out as head coach, you know, makes him feel a little bit more secure. Maybe he overperforms. And if that happens, then they might be the best team in the West record wise for the regular season. Um, But I also think there's a lot of overlap between Bradley Beal and Devin Booker that people aren't really acknowledging or talking about. And I know we always, like Jalen Rose, sort of popularize the positionless basketball. But I do think that there is a reality that you have the three volume shooters through their career and Devin Booker, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant, super efficient. He can take less shots. We've seen him do that on the warriors for sure, but this is not Steph Curry and clay Thompson with him. And I've, I I want to see how they handle it before. I, I think that this really makes sense as a cohesive starting five. Cause the other thing that may be lacking here is defense again, largely depending on Aiden being their anchor. So all I'm saying is I don't, necessarily buy that they're going to win seven more games this year than last season it feels a little high to me at 51 and a half being that line there so that's where I'm going right now definitely think they are title contenders if they're healthy
1: yeah I agree I echo your concerns and that's why to me I'm going with the under I just I don't know the Aiden situation really concerns me and this team really reminds me of the Lakers of a long time ago with Gary Payton and Cara Malone. Everybody said mm. they're going to win the title. It was going to be the super team and it just, you know, they went to the finals, but it they just couldn't pull it off. And it was also, I don't know, that seemed very, the team just seemed very just inconsistent during that time. I could be mistaken, but, um, I just think with this squad, I think you're right. I think Kevin Durant's always consistent. You can always count on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant will get his. But with Bradley Beal, you're right. I mean, how is that going to mesh with Devin Booker? I mean, it's going to be a lot of just chemistry issues there. So I agree. I think the potential is a title contender,
0: but there are a lot of roadblocks they're going to have to overcome to make that happen. And it's it's kind of hanging on a string, you know? Like it's yeah. It's like if one of their big three gets hurt, then you have, you know, they they did a good job patching up their roster in the offseason, but it's not like there are superstellar players on that bench. You know, depth is gonna be a concern through the long, grueling regular season. It'll probably matter slightly less in the playoffs, you know, when they tighten their rotation to, you know, seven to eight players, but uh yeah, it's kind of easy to talk yourself into the under with them in, in my point of view and your point of view as well. Let's go into our last picks here.
1: Yeah, last pick, the Miami Heat, the Eastern Conference representative in the NBA Finals. Since we rest- we restarted our podcast, um, as we mentioned earlier, um, in 2020, and I think the Heat have been one of these teams, at least I'll speak for myself, I've always doubted, and I think they prove me wrong every season. I'm done doubting them. The official prediction is 48.5 uh, victories. Last season, they were 44 and 38. think they're going to get 50 wins. Um, I don't know. This might be just a more an emotional pick on my side. I'll truly admit that. But I think overall, this team's going to be looking for revenge. I think this team is sick of being disrespected in the media, sick of coming up short. And I think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. And I actually think this new East in-season tournament, might be a great motivation for them to get them on track to send a message to the rest of the league that they are for real. So I actually look for the heat. I know this might be a little bit of a spoiler to be a contender to win that whole thing. And if they get Damian Lillard, we'll see. I mean, like, <laughs> um, all bets are off if they land that trade. You know, the team's probably going to be super different if that does go through. But currently, as the team's constructed with Jimmy Butler, I, I think they have a massive chip on their shoulder. And I think they're going to be looking to take it out on the rest of the NBA.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting um, because the trailblazers don't have a line set. Like you, you can't pick their over under as it is right now. And so it's interesting that the heat do have a line set when he's, you know, he's marked them off as his trade destination um, as much as, you know, they, they now have kind of walked that back and said he'll play for other teams. It's still been clear that's the team he wants to go to. So I I think that win total hinges on Dame Lillard specifically. I mean, when you think of they lost Struess to the Cavaliers, they lost Gabe Vincent, who was great in the postseason, and, um, well, especially in the postseason, but towards the end of the regular season too. Um, I think those are two pieces that hurts their depth, and, you know, Jimmy Butler's getting getting older. He's got to last until the playoffs. Um, so I, I could see them easily falling under this total. But like you said, if they get Damian Lillard, then I see a motivation of them wanting to flex on the Eastern Conference and be right up there with, you know, teams like the Celtics, Sixers, Milwaukee, wanting to be up in that top tier of teams conversation. So if they land him, which I made the prediction a while back that that trade was going to get done before the offseason was over. Time is ticking away. We're we're like a month away now. But if that trade gets done and Damian Lillard is there, even if it's not right at the start of the season, but just a month or so into it, then it's it's easy to see with the talent that they have, if they're healthy, just between Dame, Butler, and Bam that's that's enough to uh, make them in the hunt for that win total, if nothing else. Um, so great last pick. Let me go to mine and Minnesota. This one might be a little bit controversial given this franchise is woeful in some ways, history. But with the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm going to say that their number actually looks low. That number being 435 half where the line is set. So I just have to pick 44 wins for them to hit the over. They had 42 wins last year. They were somewhat impressive in the postseason. I mean, I'm not going to agree with Carl Anthony Towns that they were more impressive in their postseason run than the Denver Nuggets. But, you know, they they gave them a challenge in that series. And they also had a lot of their star players, actually all their star players, participating in the FIBA World Cup on different teams. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards was, has basically been the alpha of Team USA. So I got to figure that helps translate into more wins for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So even if only Anthony Edwards makes a little bit of a leap, I see that being enough to get them to 44 wins. And this is... uh, a season that there should be a lot of urgency, uh, really. I mean, there's been a lot of urgency for a while for Carl Anthony towns to now prove himself. So I don't know if I feel totally confident that he's going to do that, but the main thing I see is improvement in Anthony Edwards. That's going to lead to more wins for this team.
1: Oh boy. So the Timberwolves. I have a harsh opinion of them. I think they're the Clippers light, (laughs) like Mm. dying Clippers. Um, I just think they have a lot of hype every year, especially with them drafting Anthony Edwards. And I think they tend to let you down. Now, I do think you're not wrong. I think Edwards is for real. I really do. But Carl Anthony Towns, I bought stock in him and he's let me down. And I just don't see things changing. And, you know, Jimmy Butler comes off pretty harsh, not the greatest guy to get along with, but. I think you have to say he was right in terms of his time in Minnesota. I mean, look what's happened in Miami. And it wasn't like the Timberwolves didn't have any talent on that team. I mean, they had a lot of potential to really do something, and there was a lot of turmoil. And you've seen it with Jimmy Butler move to the Heat. You saw Butler's six, um, success with the Bulls earlier on in his career. I, you know, I think that's a black mark on the Timberwolves. Uh, the wins, uh, I'm going to go, I would say, slightly below that. I mean, I I would say it's fairly even. I really like Edwards. I think Edwards is not on this team. I would go way lower, but I do respect his game and do see him making an effort, especially with the FIBA World Cup. I think he's a player that has a Damian Lillard-esque philosophy to winning, and I think that's going to carry on to this team. How far it does in terms of the rest of the conference, I'm not optimistic about that, but it's going to be enough to get them to win total or a little bit above what they did last year.
0: Yep. Going to be fascinating to to watch this season. I mean, a lot of interesting teams, even beyond the 10 that we picked here. Yeah, I mean, we could easily go another two hours and talk about all the other teams in the league These were the ones we thought were the 10 most interesting to us. Let us know your guys' thoughts. What do you think? Who are you high on? What picks do you agree with, disagree with? And let us know your thoughts as far as who's going to be contenders next year, who's going to live up to their over-unders. We are back we are back in a rhythm here. We are back with regular episodes with Ball is Life, as we have mentioned. So we are super excited for that. So you can expect to see a lot more content from us on our podcasting platforms on YouTube and on social media, being more active on X and IG and all those spots, Twitter, as some people call X. Um, So we will be there. You can also get in touch with the show, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We'll throw together mailbag episodes down the road. So uh, make sure you are chatting with us, making sure you're part of the conversation here. So for Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Anything else to add, Justin? Like and subscribe on this video. But other than that, see you next time.
1: Right on. Peace out.